This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Thanks. The order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot meal. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Dave Hanratty and there will be no Encore, episode 158 of the No Encore Music Podcast. Welcome to the show. How is it going? Craig Fitzpatrick, I don't know because he's in Seville. Seville. (laughs) Sun holiday. Okay, here's the thing about Craig, right? He never takes time off. He works himself into the fucking ground. Hello, Dahi, by the way. Hello, how are you? How's it going? Uh, He works himself into the ground, right? Never takes time off. Has to be reminded to take it off. So I was actually delighted when he was like, might not be on the show this week, guys. I was like, yeah, Grant, go do. Is he going to like the, the running of the bulls? That's a joke, I think. I think I think he's doing his usual kind of, you know, aloof, dry wit. Yeah. But he has been providing <laughs> some pretty good social media content on Twitter. Oh, really? Uh, at Craigie's Lane. Oh, just like really like jaded looking selfies of him wearing shades <laughs> in a really hot climate. Although it's boiling hot in Dublin today. It so. is. It's exciting. Can you uh, feel it in the air? I can feel it in tonight. the air. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, tonight, Doc and I are going to do a thing. We're going to uh, continue part of a project I'm working on, which I can't quite discuss until I can, which will be soon. Yeah. Have we really not mentioned it at all? On I don't the show? think. No, I haven't mentioned the wh- project. What I'm, yeah, what, I, <laughs> what I'm actually doing. Project X. Dave I've, is making pr- the second film to Project X. 
I've gotten drunk a few times and I've told people. So people in my inner circle and probably yeah, beyond. I think so, a lot of people <laughs> I think know. A lot of people know, yeah. But ultimately, I can't quite discuss it just yet. But there is a there is a, a project in the works. Uh, I'm, I'm making it sound much bigger than it is right now. But like, it's pretty big. It's pretty exciting. It's it was it's a great idea. <laughs> it's, it, it's an endurance test, is what it is. Yeah. And, um, anyway, yeah, we'll yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll we'll reveal we'll, more. We'll get is it there. next week? Next week we'll talk about it. Potentially. 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 Okay. But uh, and Craig will hopefully be back as well. But we can talk about something else. Something that happened last week a full week ago because mm-hmm. as noted you fled the studio halfway through the episode i did i fled the studio mm-hmm. because i was i, I had uh, absolute guarantees that drake would start at like eight forty-five or something like that and he didn't start until half nine wow and like i was so angry and like apparently he had done it like each night where like they said he was on at this exact time and that everybody should be there and then like waits until the other end so i was very very upset about that but uh Apart from that, the show was amazing. Like, it was genuinely, like, from a production standpoint, even if you don't like Drake, like, you would have loved it. It was like... I've seen him. Yeah, but, like, this particular one. I've seen him before as well. This particular one was out of this world. Like, better than, like, we we went to U2 that time, and we're like, the production was off the chain. Even even if, like, you didn't like U2, you could, like, appreciate this. Like, the Drake show was... 10 times above that he had like a stage in the middle I think pro- people have probably seen it on Instagram and stuff but the stage is the li- a literal size of a basketball court and then the entire thing is an LCD screen so like at different times like water would come up and it would just be an entire water area or like uh, at another time you know um, like into like a giant scorpion would turn up on the sides and stuff and he'd be like standing up on top of this, this glass with the scorpion on top and stuff it was absolutely incredible one really funny part was that uh, it's the size of basketball court so at one point like it actually does the shape of a basketball court and all these dancers come out and then it becomes half time in the show and they like suddenly out of the side this really gammy looking basketball net like turns up on the side (laughs) and they bring out like a fan to do like okay from this side it's like a hundred from this is like a thousand and if you get it from the halfway line it's like two thousand or like two like fucking like two twenty thousand or something crazy like that what dollars yeah dollars and then so then I was like oh I know what's going to happen here they're going to make the person missed the two and then there's going to be some thing where they like get the ball to go straight into the hoop and everybody loses their mind i was like that's really cool really cool so it starts up in this like irish looking fucker like comes up takes the first one misses and everyone's like oh and then the second one like shoots and then like does the thing and then he goes to the halfway line and completely misses like <laughs> couldn't miss more and everyone's like oh and like drake comes out and he's like don't worry about it that's all good nice to meet you man we're gonna give you some merch and gives him like a t-shirt and then he just goes off and that was it she didn't give him 20 grand it was the like biggest anticlimax of all time it wow. was rubbish i mean that sounds like just like mindless self-indulgence to me <laughs> as does the floating yellow ferrari yeah yeah yeah, at one point, a floating, like, Ferrari, like, a full-size Ferrari on drones, like, came out. And then there was these, like, tiny little drones that came out at one point where there was just, like, lights all over the place. And they were actually little drones that were, like, flying around the entire stadium, basically. That, that freaked me out. Like, don't, don't it was that, incredible. Mate. And then, The Ferrari like, thing I, I was obviously all over all over social media. And, you know, it's, it's floating in front of you as you're in the balcony. Yeah. And I was just like... I'm not going to a fucking David Blaine or Darren Brown <laughs> show here. Give me my popcorn. But fair play to him. He didn't even like acknowledge that there was a flying yellow Ferrari around. It. Like he didn't even look at it. Like d- like was purposely like completely ignoring so this. Like I don't know. It was almost as if somebody else had put it in there, where it was like, "Don't mind me," and it like shoots across the sky or whatever. So you were barely able to contain yourself. It was it was a lot of fun. It was great, and you forget about how much hits he has. Like he has so much to the point where one. 
was released a, a lot of songs. Absolutely. <laughs> but like one of the things that I will say that was like a problem and I was I was there with Elaine May, we were both there and kind of Shouts both to of us Elaine, would be, of the yeah, show. and thanks for the ticket. Um it was it was really interesting because like we, we were both fans of like stuff and but Elaine was fans of like stuff like Hotline Bling and like some of the bigger hits that he has that kind of stand out. Did you do that medley bullshit? He like nearly the entire thing was these like smashed up medleys. So like everything was like running for one song. You barely got one full song. He did basically. that uh, when I saw him too. Yeah. yeah. That's his thing. But like it's kind of so you can't really get settled into a song or anything. But at the same time I think it says more about like the fan the fan like most of the fans were say at least under 25 like most of them were like 18 19 so it might be like a commentary on like how much attention <laughs> people can speak at this time You're giving it was too just much phones girl. everywhere like He's everybody's filming avant-garde like social like, commentator no he definitely isn't like but i'm more saying that like <laughs> it probably makes sense for him to do the compilation thing because people want to hear their favorite track and go through the whole thing like you know how was the crowd generally Super Speak young, freely here. absolutely mental. Like, really, we were up on the top, on the balcony, at the very, very edge of the balcony. Um, your favorite spot for a gig, you know that one where you like you're right on the railing. Oh yeah, it's yeah. Probably the same. I was probably in the same seat that you were at for your Drake gig. Yeah, it could have been the one where I infamously had <laughs> yeah, an yeah. empty seat next to me for the entire show, and I felt like a massive creep. <laughs> exactly. Drake yeah, commented yeah. on the front row not being up about, <laughs> even though it's a safety issue there, mate. Sorry, Aubrey. That was uh, so. That's where we were. So you could see the crowd down below, and it was like. I'm so glad I wasn't in that crowd because it was <laughs> it was like mosh pits opening up all over the place and then like young lads with their shirts off going absolutely mental like really really crazy. Um so yeah so it was it was basically like uh really really crazy so I'm glad I wasn't in that part there was a couple of like very concerned looking mothers like in this mental crowd who were obviously with their kids or whatever oh, it was like I feel really, so really sorry great. for anyone in that position like yeah, there's just no way of not being awkward in that like for everyone involved yeah absolutely like and it's super like I don't know I was getting like a bit freaked like at one point like the the crowds would start heaving like crazy and it was like I don't know yeah it would have been pretty uncomfortable all right well you, you see you were a good time how about all it was yeah Except and I, I guarantee you mother. I guarantee you even if you don't like Drake and especially you I'd say you would like the show I guarantee I wouldn't have <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was too busy preparing to go back to school Dahi. oh I, yeah I went out to shouts to Malahide Community School <laughs> who had me in for a talk about journalism no way on Monday morning yeah oh my god um, it was interesting I a secondary school uh, yeah, yeah. So it was like transition oh, yeah. years and some like fifth and sixth year students. Right. And I mean, it was weird because I mean, like I hadn't really been into a classroom since I was in school. Um, uh, certainly not a transition year classroom. And I tried to break the ice by like, you know, telling a room full of mostly disinterested teenagers how I, I was fired. I, I, I was the first person in the history of my school to be fired from transition year work experience. No fucking way. It legitimately happened. Now, I'll say this, right? The story genuinely isn't that interesting. It really isn't. I'm not burying the lead here. I am burying the lead here. But, <laughs> but it genuinely isn't that interesting. It's just like, it was a miscommunication issue. I think, you know, both sides uh, have a lot to answer for. <laughs> and ultimately, my local radio station can go and fuck itself. Oh, so it was a local radio station? Yeah, it was, yeah. Loud me, the FM. Um, so, look yeah. at you now. Look at me now. Well, that's the thing. though. This was like, you know, a nice way of closing that loop, you know, all those years on. So I tried to just like distill my own kind of career or lack thereof in journalism and, and podcasting and broadcasting uh, for a crowd of kids, some of whom were clearly interested, some of whom clearly weren't. Yeah. But that's what you're going to do, mate. They're teenagers, you know? Now, how uh, were they interested once? Did they seem genuinely like... I got some it? good questions. I got, I got a question at the end that was a very pertinent question by someone who basically was like, do you find it frustrating writing for a website where clickbait is a bit of a thing? Nice. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit, man. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, scene. Uh, but it was a fair question. And ultimately, I think writing for a website like Joe, I mean, like, obviously that is an accusation that we get a lot of the time. 
and I think the word clickbait is, has become one of those words, like like one of those buzzwords, like snowflake, where ultimately mm-hmm. it's very fucking easy to just throw it out there. There's a lot more to it than that. And that sounds like something like a cop-out answer, I would say. But ultimately, I think with Joe, uh, certainly guilty of it a lot in the past, probably guilty of it to a slight degree these days. But I think ultimately with any kind of digital media organization, uh, you got to have a hook in your fucking headline, mate. Yeah. I mean, we don't do that thing where it's like, you'll never guess who's playing Croke Park. Yeah, 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 we don't yeah. do that. That's like, I mean, like, that's not a thing. And I've had it before, like, you know, with the commentariat on Facebook, given a hell, uh, where, where I'm like, well, we chose the headline because it, it didn't withhold information and it didn't, it, it, it didn't, like, sell you, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. like, it wasn't like, you know, if you click in, you know, you're going to get some kind of trick here. I mean, like, it's tough. I, I think working in 2019 in any kind of media capacity is... I mean, it's so tricky. hard. Like, Every, I mean, everything's changing, everything. None different. of those people in that room have bought a newspaper. <laughs> yeah, totally, I mean? yeah. And I mean, ultimately, like, um, I was just trying to impart the idea of, like, a lot of the old pathways don't necessarily need to be walked down anymore. I mean, like, one of the guys was asking, like, you know, would you recommend going to journalism college because he did, like, work experience and was told, don't bother. And I was like, I couldn't in all good conscience say, don't bother, but I would say that my own experience of journalism from studying it wasn't that enthralling. Yeah. Uh, it was only helpful, really, for, like, doing the internship at the end of it and the doors that opened up. And since yeah, then, I you been, probably learned more in the internship. Than I totally else, learned right? more in the internship. Yeah. And I, I think, ultimately, like, I think, like, practical out of theory is always better. Um, but this isn't career guidance talk with Dave. I will say that, like, <laughs> I found it fairly daunting, man. I mean, like, I got dry mouth a lot. Like, it was like it was like playing a gig. You know, I, my, yeah, yeah. I got through my bottle of water pretty fast. Like, yeah. Uh, but they were they didn't uh, throw things at me, and they were very nice. Uh, so that's very. It was a nice experience. Like generally, when you're talking to people that age, they kind of like it's like you said there is like there'll be disinterested people but like they won't be like acting up they don't really do that they get like pretty yeah. shy and stuff no, yeah they were sound like it was funny because I went into the school and like there was like these I think Irish orals were happening so everyone was like Shh. and I was like hey uh, where am I going and like it was like people like <laughs> Standing outside, like almost in tears, clearly having had, oh had a bad God. experience, and I was just like, "Oh man, it brings you right back." Like, yeah. I, mean, I got that nostalgia pang, and it's weird. How, like, Irish schools just like when you step into them, they there just is smell a weird, or look yeah, 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 or yeah, feel a certain way. There's just like a certain thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and I can't, I can't decide it's, if it's because you came up through it that it has that, or is mm. it like specific to those type of things? I think yeah. it's obviously like the way that in this country a lot of just like the structures are put in place. Mm. You know, kind of both literal and figurative. But I mean, at the same time it's like one of those things that like it just I think I think it has so much embedded within you and you've gotten away from it like yeah yeah unless you work you know in education I mm-hmm. mean like you've gotten away from it like it's not something that's it's kind of foreign to you yeah so yeah I mean I, I, I think I did alright I was very apologetic afterwards I was like was that alright is that okay like you know like a classic like 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 doing like a live interview and being like was that alright I don't know yeah yeah but uh, yeah so I, there was only one thing to do after that Dahi and that was to watch Motley Crue biopic The Dirt <laughs> or sorry biopic as I've had people correct me on Twitter um, so I watched The Dirt, new, yeah. new Netflix film. New Netflix film. And I will say that like uh, the upcoming episode of No Popcorn, which I'll be recording next week, which will probably go out hopefully next week, could be the week after. Um, we're doing Straight Outta Compton, but we're going yeah. de- to devote the opening section of that episode to The Dirt. Okay. Dave Higgins and I will chat it up. Um, spoiler alert. Is it I, good, bad? I fucking hated it, mm-hmm. man. It's repulsive. Sure, the trailer was so rubbish. Like. Terrible, yeah. I mean, it's, it's I don't know. I, I don't know what I expected. I didn't want to watch it. I don't support the, you know, I've never been one for like, oh man, those lads, they were legends, you know, they did such <laughs> crazy things. And I, I didn't have any real, I'm surprised at the amount of love it's getting. Like a lot of people are kind Is of, it really, you know, yeah. there's a lot of people out there who, who were like, that was really, you know, funny and enlightening and, oh man, they had a life. And I was like, I think they should all be in fucking jail. Like oh. they, they've all done some really horrific things. Yeah, and the film totally. tones a lot of it down as well. Yeah, so do, do, are they generally kind of glorified? Because mm-hmm, there's mm-hmm. so many stories about them. And in, like, yeah. 
You know that from the from the opening seconds. Yeah, it's very clear that it's a lionization of pure scumbags. Like, yeah, yeah. it's gross. And I know it's meant to be gross. It's called yeah, the yeah, dirt. Yeah. Oh, take them out of the air, kind of thing. <sighs> no, I didn't enjoy it. But I'll be talking about it for a little bit longer than that next time. Great. Uh, let's break into the news this week. Uh, quite sad. Actually, was Monday morning. Scott Walker, sixties pop icon, composer, and avant garde pioneer passed away. Uh, it was later revealed in the week that he passed away from cancer. He died in London at the age of 76. He'd been living in London since the 1960s. Now, Scott Walker, if anyone who doesn't know, uh, effectively kind of broke out as a pop star. Yeah. And was, you know, kind of like... I Big think it, orchestrated pop with, like, orchestras behind him and stuff. Yeah, it was like this... Like, I guess it always, had one, it always had one foot in the challenging or something, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, yeah. But he went full into that. Like, eventually, like, he moved, he pivoted into, like, become this kind of mysterious guy who clearly wasn't looking for number one hits or anything yeah. like that. And a, a colossal influence on an awful lot of people. His career was ongoing. He was still working on film soundtracks and his own stuff as well. And, I mean... Twitter on Monday morning was just an outpouring, an absolute outpouring of people who were genuinely devastated yeah. and like incredibly indebted to this guy. Uh, he was something of a chameleon and enigmatic. I mean, like there's one clip that was doing the rounds uh, was phenomenal. It was uh, Marianne Hobbs, who was one of my favorite actually radio DJs growing up because she presented the radio on rock show yeah. back in my Kerrang days on BBC, and I would listen to that at like you know ten or eleven at night. Um, she's still she's uh, she interviewed Tom York that time when, around That's the right. Superior. Um, yeah, yeah, phenomenal broadcaster and also a terrific voice. Yeah, she like and you'll hear it in this clip when we play it, but like she kind of comes across as she like she has fun if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, yeah, it totally. feels like a really enjoyable thing and people seem to get on board with her. Yeah. Um, and she's a very personable nature about her. Completely. And this this clip is uh, um, David Bowie. Um, Scott Walker gave him like a kind of a happy birthday message. Um, and it's just an incredible clip because it's very, very apparent from this that um, Scott Walker was a massive influence to the him level in his of life. Respect, and yeah. when, when you put that into context, it's suddenly a lot of David Bowie's kind of kickoff feels like that as well, you know, which totally. is great. Uh, we'll have a quick listen to that. Of course not everybody wanted to ask you questions, David. Some just had a really sort of personal message that they wanted to deliver by carrier pigeon. Oh, no. Hi, David. This is Scott Walker. I'm coming to you via a very crappy old handheld tape machine, so I hope it's all right. I'm going to be a devil today and not ask you any questions. I'm certain that among the many messages, there'll be those about how you always embrace the new and how you freed so many artists. And this is, of course, true. Like everyone else, I'd like to thank you for all the years, and especially for your generosity of spirit when it comes to other artists. I've been the beneficiary on more than one occasion, let me tell you. So have a wonderful birthday. And by the way, mine's the day after yours. So I'll have a drink to you on the other side of midnight. How's that? That's amazing. Oh, I see God in the window. <laughs> <laughs> He's the boss, isn't he, Scott Walker? Um, You've absolutely got to love him. Dan, you've really got to me down, I'm afraid. <laughs> That's, uh, I think he's probably been uh, my idol since I was a kid. I, that's very moving. I want a copy of that. <laughs> <laughs> you can have it. You can take it away. I'm absolutely. Uh, that's that's really thrown me. That's. Uh, thank you so there you go. Bowie totally overcome uh, by Scott Walker's yeah. kind of very lyrical. 
he's just an incredible artist because like he he was one of the very first people to kind of have this this idea that um every release or every project or everything that he does should be different from the last thing and he he came up against like a lot of push against that with like record labels and stuff like that where you know he he basically you know they were looking for the same thing again and again and again and then by changing up each time it led him down this route that was like completely avant-garde until eventually he becomes a completely unique artist amongst himself um absolutely amazing like really really great yeah he was kind of peerless in a way um i mean i can't claim to be like a, a very knowledgeable yeah, Scott walker yeah. like guy I, I some of my friends would be a lot more into him than i would i think craig is quite into him as well mm. um in recent years though he did some very interesting soundtrack work uh, he worked on an independent film called the childhood of a leader which oh, i went really? to see a few years ago and um the same filmmaker who made that as an actor turned director called brady corbett his new film, Vox Lux, is the one with Natalie Portman and Jude mm. Law, and he's done Scott Walker to the soundtrack for that as well, which yet nice. to come out. But um, The Child of a Leader is a really interesting film with an incredibly propulsive and challenging and strange soundtrack that Classic. totally gets inside you and is very much, not to use an obvious cliche, but it's very much its own character within yeah. the movie. Uh, Brady Corbett was amongst the, the tributes. He said, My friend and collaborator Scott Walker has passed away. I cared for him immensely, and I will, as I always have, cherish his entire body of work. Not only did he have the voice of an angel, his poetry and composition exist on some higher plane of creativity inspired a great creative courage in me and left an indelible mark on my life and projects Tom York was also out in force yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know like uh, he was a gentle outsider who'd be very missed and he uh, showed me how I could use my voice and my words Boy George out there as well and described him as a maverick and uncompromising artist one of the peculiar greats it is interesting like it kind of feels like another old guard that may or may not be replicated has gone yeah completely like yeah yeah it's an interesting one as well because you know he's one of those artists as well that has obviously influenced a huge amount of massive movers in the last couple of years if you know what i mean so he's almost like one generation back from what most people would listen to there's a really amazing track that he has from some of his early years which i really really love if anyone wants to kind of check out some of the music there's a song called montague terrace that's like really really great um and that's from his earlier time but that's kind of interesting as well that like his pop career if you want to split it into two things like his pop career was really really great for that what it was and then his new career was completely completely different but also really really great and it's very rare that you get an artist who does that much of a transformation and both sides of his um his creativeness were equally as as great like you know rest in peace scott walker rest in peace in lighter news, uh, for anyone who's been following the kind of hilariously affluent <laughs> scandal in the States where like various actors and other celebs have been caught out in a admissions bribery scandal yeah. at, a, at USC, the college. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's like a couple of um, very, very high profile um, actors, uh, including Laurie Lachlan and Felicity Huffman. And Felicity Huffman's um, husband, William H. Macy. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, he's, he's been like, he's been got on the transcripts. Like, yeah, they he, paid he knew. huge, huge amounts of money. And basically the scandal is that they basically paid to get their kids into college. Right? Yeah, into the most like prestigious kind of like place yeah. ever. And like one of the daughters is an influencer. Uh, <laughs> Olivia Jade, I believe yeah, is yeah. her name. And she... There's an amazing video of her, isn't there? Like, where yeah, she's, she's, she's kind of going like, you know, I'm not really into college. Yeah, <laughs> so. I think John Oliver, like, took the piss out of her. And, like, but also, like, she has, like, an Instagram post where she's like, oh, wow, it's so amazing being in my dorm room uh, as kitted out by all this Amazon oh, stuff. Oh, my God. So, like, the curtain has fallen on this kind of behavior and people are effectively being, you know, dragged over the coals for it. One person who I think, you know, <laughs> it, like, didn't need to get involved would be good old <laughs> Dr. Dre, who went on Instagram, put up a photograph of him and his daughter, I think holding her degree from oh, USC. Yeah. And he said, my daughter got accepted to USC all on her own. No jail time. <laughs> 
And then fans immediately started descending upon him, reminding him of a joint $70 million donation that he and Jimmy Iovine had made to, you guessed it, USC. And it's crazy that he forgot this. How because, the fuck like, you- Because this, this was like a big thing. Like People always said it was like, oh, this is a great thing that they did. You know, They really, really helped the college by giving this amount in and everything. $70 million. I, yeah. can, I can see this from a mile away, though. Poor fucking Dre is just like, oh, I'll, I'll do something nice for my daughter. And like, you know, this is like a nice thing that I'll do for my daughter. And like a picture of me and her and I'm very proud of her and that she got into and college. And I'll get some social topical commentary in there. Exactly. Love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you my likes. daughter will love that. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. really cool into dad. stuff. Cool dad. Nice little dad. Oh, and Deleted just... the joke and after people lined <laughs> up to be like, uh, mate. But however, as this report notes, those jokes continue apace under his other Instagram photographs. <sighs> like, That's just cyberbullying now, lads. Leave him alone. He made a mistake. And so I just want, just, just, just let him just speak about music all the time. That's all I want him to talk about. I don't want anything else. Like, he has, he has a show on Beats one of the one called Pharmacy, which is like uh, him talking to different like major figures like Snoop Dogg and Quincy Jones and stuff, and that's really nice. Uh, but then like Dre the businessman is just so boring to me. I don't know if you saw that. Did you see that Netflix documentary? The, the Defiant. The, the Defiant ones. Ones. I actually yeah. haven't watched any of it. I hear it's great. Um, it's good. Yeah, it's good. But it's a, like a puff piece. Like it's like a real like all praise, all praise beats. Yeah, but um, which is a bit of a problem with Straight Outta Compton, which we'll get to in No Popcorn mm. as well, where he was an executive producer and like obviously very famously deleted some of the more. Uh, terrible aspects of what he's done grown up but um yeah. yeah is he a really boring businessman is that a thing uh, like i mean massively successful and stuff and like you know there's a bit of an inspiration there about like you know having your idea and running with it and stuff but like at the end of the day like what makes him great is his music and and his foresight in like seeing artists and seeing something in artists and pushing them forward and like literally that's all I want to know <laughs> it's like I don't want anything to do with the business stuff just just give me him talking about production and music and making people great you know that's fair later in the show this week we'll be talking to rising artist Rushes we'll be reviewing the new album from these new Puritans and of course there will be songs of the week but onward with the news uh, again to follow up on No Popcorn our first episode was about Bohemian Rhapsody and we talked at the very end of the show myself and Dave Higgins about like how much money it has made and how much more it could make if and when it gets its release in China. That's happened and censors have cut out over two minutes of LGBTQ plus scenes from the Oscar winning biopic or biopic, however the fuck it's pronounced, I don't care anymore. <laughs> it opened at the on the last Friday in the country. And effectively, yeah, this is the thing. And I guess Brian May doesn't have a problem with that, but I'm like why would you do that? I mean, like, some members of China's LGBT community have said that, like, the mere release of the film at all in their yeah. country is, quote, a victory. And that is quite an interesting point, really, because um, I had a look at um, all of the other kind of Western films that were um, released in China, and, like, most of them are, like, these big, big blockbusters, so, like, all the kind of Marvel films are out there. I believe Warcraft um, did. Warcraft there, did. Uh, the Fate and the Furious came out there. Excellent, yeah. Um, Pirates of the Caribbean and, and Mission Impossible and Jurassic World and Transformers. So those type of big, like, action blockbusters seem to always go out, and I can kind of see why, because they'd be so kind of inoffensive. <laughs> but, like, so it is kind of weird that this came out there. Um, I guess it has so much traction. He's so well-known. Yeah. It was almost like, clearly people were clamoring for it. But, I mean, ultimately... It's in 2019, like you don't want to think that this is still a thing. It just feels like it just feels it is wrong. It feels stupid. I mean, like, why is it even happening? But I guess, like, that's a culture that we don't know. And the fact that, like, some people from that community are saying, like, better than nothing. I don't know. I mean, like, because, like, I mean, one of the main things, so they take out some very, very small things. They take out the entire section of, um, 
one of the bigger things to take out is, is is an entire section of the like the I want to break free video, all that kind of part. Oh yeah, because like he's in drag, like yeah. And then they take out the scene, which is kind of one of the major kind of plot holes that they make when taking stuff out. Um, is the scene where Mercury grabs future partner Jim Hutton's crotch at a party, and that like obviously cuts because you don't understand <laughs> why they're together <laughs> afterwards. But the problem was like I was looking at the stuff that they were cutting out, and like that movie <laughs> seems like such a shambles that like I couldn't even decide what would what would have to be taken out I mean, for it I to will, make sense or I will not make say sense. this I, I am glad that somebody has taken it upon themselves to try and improve the editing in that film <laughs> but this is not what I wanted <laughs> it's not what I asked uh, for. it should be known that homosexuality is not legal in China but there is active prejudice pretty much across the board now we, we said that people kind of said it was victory that has also been challenged though by other yeah. members of the LGBT community uh, someone had Fan Popo an activist and documentary filmmaker said if everyone becomes content with this kind of quote unquote victory then the whole world will always submit to authority creators won't, won't be respected and there'll be no protection for the interests of the audience which is true I mean again it's like it's one of those things where you, you'd almost anticipate to read this in a history book and like you know that took place in like 1919 yeah, yeah not yeah, 2019 yeah. But you know, totally I guess there's actually a, a good place I need to crowbar in the announcement of that new festival Love Sensation that you're yeah. on you're playing yeah, it yeah very exciting tell us all about it uh, Love Sensation is a festival that's going to be at the end of the summer I should know the dates but you can, <laughs> you can look it up um, very much a kind of a, like a pop facing um, festival uh, run by Mother and MCD so Mother would be a fairly major um, gay club and gay night and um, promoters in Dublin um, uh, they're absolutely incredible I've kind of had a kind of a long working relationship with them for a very long time they're so good at putting on parties and the mother DJs themselves are absolutely incredible um, so this festival is kind of a big step up for them um, they do a lot of big gigs and say for pride and stuff like that and then also have a big like they have one day for an entire stage in Body and Soul as well but this is their first like fully formed large two day festival um, really really interesting lineup that's different from everybody else so like one of the, the main headlines would be kind of like Lily Allen um, Khalees uh, The Gossip are back Clean Bandit uh, Clean Bandit last as well. week's guest of the show Soleil She's yeah Soleil is in yeah yeah um, I'll be playing as well um, and it's, it's yeah it's, it's just a really really nice festival uh, a, I'm Ru- super Ru- looking forward uh, to it RuPaul's Drag Race has a RuPaul, section yeah that's right yeah Panty yeah Panty Bliss is the MC the Banantee uh, for, uh, for, the, for the main stage apparently <laughs> excellent that's good yeah <laughs> um, no it's a two day like incredibly inclusive thing and like yeah. obviously like I mean like I assume you jumped at the chance to be part of this yeah totally yeah 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 I mean every single time I played a mother gig it's just been the best like they're just so good at like making a party vibe and uh, yeah it's just the best I love that place alright well now that I've got you on a high I'm going to take you down oh, no. because we haven't really talked about this um, I guess the reason we haven't talked about it is because I haven't watched it and I kind of felt like it was just one of those news stories that everyone's talking about but like Michael Jackson is back in the news again as he mm. will be for some time I think the reason is is because uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame have responded to a comment slash request about his removal from the Hall of Fame and they've said nope he's staying in but I guess this is as good a chance as I need to discuss the documentary because you have seen it. You watched the whole thing because you appeared on RT Arena a while ago. Yeah. Having watched all four hours of this thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they contacted I mean, me uh, <laughs> a co- uh, like a week before the, the documentary come out, came out. Hadn't even heard of the documentary at, at that stage, right? I'd love to know why they were like, all right, four-hour Michael Jackson documentary about sexual abuse. Die. I think they need they needed a musician. Get him in. All right. <laughs> but like they called me and went, are you a Michael Jackson fan? <laughs> And I was like, yeah, of course I'm a Michael Jackson fan. Who isn't? Like, of course I am. Like, it was a massive influence on me and how I write music. You didn't know any of this? I swear to God. Well, like, I I basically, I did. Like, I did. But, like, I was the same as everybody else. Like, it had been glossed over. Like, you can't say that it wasn't glossed over. He was, like, still being glorified by so many people. But, like, it completely was. And, like, you know, I think a a lot of the thing. (laughs) Yeah, of course. But, like, a lot of the thing, a lot of the stuff that came from that was, like, 
the re- he, like when he when he was proven innocent by a court of law and stuff. Two thousand five. That really was, put yeah. the nail in the coffin for, for a lot of people. It. It did. Right? A lot of people were like, "There you go." Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, and I like. I mean, I think like I'm equally as fault as anybody else. A lot of people just didn't want to fucking know. You know, like uh, to me, like a lot of this is people are in denial. And ultimately, yeah. like with regards to this new thing, like I say, even working for a website like Joe, I've seen firsthand a glut and like, yeah. a lot of comments like thousands of comments and a lot of them are like pro Jackson mm-hmm. anti uh, the lads involved in the documentary and I, to me it comes down to it, I'm not sure if I've even talked I've talked about this before but I haven't talked about it on the show I don't know so if I'm repeating myself I do apologise it's been a long week but I will say this I think it's like a lot of people are being told indirectly that yeah. they are quote unquote wrong and they have been for their entire lives because Jackson is obviously like the apex king of pop of the yeah. king of pop he's the apex of this kind of thing for it to be it's one thing for like the singer from Lost Prophets to be exposed yeah. as obviously someone who's got some serious fucking issues uh, and I don't mean that in any kind of downplaying way but I think obviously no, like, yeah. there's clearly something wrong there quote unquote and like he's mentally ill uh, but for the king of pop who's mm-hmm. been in everyone's life. I mean, like, it's one thing that's kind of hilarious because you see this happen a lot, like, when, when a thing happens and when something's in the news, there'll always be some fucking contrarian to be like, I have no idea who that person is. And I've seen people, like, <laughs> yeah. try and deny the existence of Michael Jackson and I'm like, it's Michael fucking Jackson. You can't, Jackson. like, everybody like, knows who Michael on. Jackson is. It's, like, probably the most iconic person apart from Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But ultimately, uh, Jesus never hurt anybody. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, I will say this, and, and I, I was absolutely blown away with people defending him after this, because you cannot watch this documentary and not, like, believe the victims. Because the documentary, to me, it's four hours long. It's massively detailed. Like, goes into really clear, concise detail that isn't pretty. It's a really, really difficult watch. And one of the best things that it does, and I think I might have mentioned this before, is that um, it doesn't deal with Michael Jackson, the star. What it deals with is two victims of, of sexual abuse as, as children. Like, it, it, Michael Jackson is almost in the like the background they don't give that much context of like who he was as an artist or his general like like arc as a as a as a star or anything he is like the evil presence that's like the man michael jackson as opposed to the artist michael jackson and that's like it's it's just you cannot watch it and not not believe those victims like it's just absolutely crazy to me now the documentary isn't absolutely bulletproof like the very very clear thing is that they only interview the two families and absolutely nobody else so it's actually quite hard to get a context on the overall story yeah, so it's, it's it, literally one-sided exactly and if you come into it without knowing stuff about like the court cases um or know about say like the maid's testimony or anything like that you don't get any of that at all so you kind of have to go into it with a bit of a background already but from what you witnessed what you took in mm-hmm. you were convinced completely and utterly like they just go into such detail there's some really really harrowing scenes um like at one point um one of them uh, one of the lads opens up like this um this small kind of box which has a whole pile of different rings that Michael Jackson had bought him as wedding rings and like you can see them and like he goes into great detail about where he bought them how it was a whole thing and like the problem is is that like uh, even if a quarter of the stuff that they are saying was true, and all of it is true, it, there's no way that these people are lying. There's absolutely no reason for them. It's way too detailed. If there was even a quarter of this that was true and the rest of it was lies, it wouldn't be okay. Like, there, it's just so far and beyond what is okay. And it's 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 a really, really, like, difficult documentary to watch. And it, it's, it makes up for a quite interesting thing where you're kind of... Um, the problem with Michael Jackson is that he has been been such a huge influence on pop music um, in the last while that his his influence has almost like influenced so much that there's not even any point of like 
cancelling Michael Jackson, like not not listening to his music anymore. He's influenced so much stuff that like his influence has been made, you know? Yeah, I mean like the day after the documentary aired in the office I work in, like a playlist was on mm. and I literally went on Slack into the music channel, whatever, and I was like, We really listen to this and I was like, I know they all think I'm a knob. Yeah, yeah. But I was like, come the fuck on. Like I can't listen to Michael Jackson stuff without that caveat now. Like okay. that's it. That's interesting because I, I think a lot you, I think a lot of people, some people are dumbing down, man. They're I know, like, I know. know. And I I just kinda I could not believe that. Like it just seems it just seems absolutely crazy to me. Like, well, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame don't share your views because he was inducted <laughs> as part of the Jackson 5 back in 97 and as a solo artist in 2001. Their statement says, as with all of our inductees, Jackson was recognized for musical excellence and talent as well as having a significant impact on rock and roll and was elected by a diverse voting body of historians, fellow musicians and music industry professionals. Original artifacts and memorabilia from many artists' lives and performances are on display in our exhibits and there are no plans for this to change. So I don't think anyone has ever been stricken off the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, right? That's interesting. I don't think it has, as far as I could see from everything. And then, like, you know, I mean, the Rock, the rock and Roll Hall of Fame is such a waste of time anyway. Oh, yeah. It's such a mess, like. It's and a, fo- a mess is the right word. Yeah. And, like, if you start going into it, like, I mean, if you think about, like, James Brown is in there, like, do you know what I mean? I have no problem with that. I mean, people get annoyed about the whole, oh, if you're going to go to hip-hop uh, hip artists, I'm like, Rock and roll is like a fucking no, no. Uh, I'm not talking about could James Brown beat the shit out of. His oh wife? right, sorry. No, I, I think meant because like you know he doesn't play guitar. No, yeah. because he's like a horrible human being. The Rolling Stones, like I mean, sure, you know, are Motley Crue in there? Probably, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, there's Guns just loads of people in there like, like yeah. that. Like, I mean, David Bowie. <laughs> Do you know what yeah, I mean? yeah. Like, yeah. You, like I mean, it's it's a mess. Like it's a total mess, <laughs> and it's just such a weird, dumb thing. Like I don't with know. The, with the Jackson thing, it's interesting because I mean, like you've seen even in Ireland, like provincial. Like regional tours of like shit impersonators <laughs> are like cancelling on mass yeah, because yeah, they're yeah. like, oh fuck. There was a big show cancelled in the Cork Opera House. Yeah, and people were like, I can't believe you've done this. I know. Yeah, they're like, what? They're like, what a joke. <laughs> I bought the ticket. I want to go and listen to Thriller. Like, uh, well, you can't, mate. However. I guess we're not going to get a Michael Jackson hologram anytime soon. No. Which, to be fair, like those three words together made my <laughs> stomach turn. Yeah, now it feels like it. <laughs> but we talked about it on the show before. We talked about the Roy Orbison hologram, which played yeah. in the three arena last year. <laughs> and I was like, I'm so anti this. Have you, so... have you ever seen a hologram show? No, I've seen like footage of it. And it just, it genuinely unnerves me. Like it really, it makes me feel like, I, I just, I, 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 it makes my skin crawl. But get this, Roy Orbison is teaming up. The ghost of Roy Orbison, the hologram, himself is teaming up with the ghost slash hologram of Buddy Holly touring together. Did you see the in- name of the tour? Uh, no. The Rock and Roll Dream Tour is the name of the tour. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> uh, they're playing in Dublin's Three Arena in July and in Belfast in the Waterfront Hall the following day. I think is it or is July now or is it like uh, it's. I've got my American dates in front of me here. I think it's wrong. I think it's in fucking like November or something or October. Yeah. The point is, obviously, I'm discombobulated because uh, I'm, I'm I'm against it, man. I'm <laughs> I, like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go outside the venue with it, like with a picket. It's not right. It's not right. They're dead. Like, <laughs> who's making the money? I've I've I, well, to be honest, I would be interested to go see at least one hologram show just to see like. Oh God, no! Like, I'd go see Tupac. Would you not go see Tupac? No, no? remember that was that was like <laughs> a fucking bad PlayStation Two like. <laughs> Yeah, Def Jam yeah. Fight for Vendetta like cutscene. You, you'd almost want to see that more, like a like a really shitty like like Lara Croft like triangular boobs type setup. Like it's just so thing. weird. Like and like where does it end? Like like where where will it end? I'm I'm against it, man. I don't like it. 
Let's focus mm-hmm. on a new artist. Let's focus on a, an upcoming young man by the name of Rushes. He's a producer. He dropped his EP called Glimpse last week. He's part of the Diffusion Lab stable, and obviously in recent weeks we've had Jafaris and Soleil on. For my money, he measures up. Let's take a listen, and then we're going to have a chat to the man. Comfortable settings when we are together, but I went and wore my whole summer at night. Now this is the right lie to never say goodbye. When new in the moment, I catch it in your eyes, your eyes. Set a glimpse of your lips, I'm loving it. I see you buzzing on a trip, find another grip. Delighted to be joined on No Encore this week by Rushes. Hello, sir. Yeah. Hello. Hey. We usually applaud like our audience. Or, sorry, our audience, our fucking interviewers, <laughs> yeah. um, our interviewees. But uh, it's usually the done thing. Soleil clapped herself last week and then instantly realised she was like, "Why am I doing this?" Yeah, it's kind of strange. Uh, how is life, man? You've just released your first EV. Yeah, it's really ex- exciting. Thank you. Cheers. Yeah, it's exciting. Um, just I'm always on to the next thing though so it's like yeah, I yeah, want yeah. to work 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 but like you have to kind of pull back and I guess live with it for a moment and you know yeah. try and build it as much as possible I guess this seems to be yeah. kind of a recurring theme with people that I talk to they're always looking at the next thing and I assume for anyone who has a team around them like you have Diffusion Lab obviously yeah. it must be a weird kind of juxtaposition to be like this is done and we're going to like we're going to put this out and then we're obviously going to concentrate on this and focus on it and like yeah. talk it up big time yeah. but you're already writing other stuff yeah. so like is that a weird push pull for you yeah, I guess so. And especially because this kind of, it's like my first kind of project. Mm. So it's kind of been in the works for a bit because um, we were just waiting on the right time to like just get it out, I suppose. Because yeah. um, obviously they had, you know, other releases as well. So it was just to plan it all. But um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's it's been a long process. But once you're going to get there, you're like kind of just happy it's out. So you can kind of um, at least pictured the idea of you know going on to the next thing i guess yeah, yeah. Yeah. how was the feeling at like eleven fifty nine on thursday last week every <laughs> every like even like a single release or anything like that it's like the last two hours i'm like curled up <laughs> like in a like fetal <laughs> position kind of type stuff you know i'm like it's uh it's it's nerve-wracking because you're putting all this work together it's like it's on your mind for such a long time yeah and then once it like you know comes out it's a big relief um, but that last, definitely, I always say it to everybody, that last, like, two hours is just, I yeah, don't yeah. want to talk to anybody like, at all. I, I always find that, like, it's then, it, it, like, the, the clock turns and it's up there and yeah. you're, like, literally looking at it on a thing. Yeah. And then there's this weird, like, couple of hours where you're just like, okay, now now what? Yeah, now what that, happens? And yeah. there's this weird, like, drop down and you kind of go, oh, right, well, I've, I've kind of yeah. done that now. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, like, a whole thing. Yeah, like, sure. I used to use, like, a fairly new artist in terms of how much stuff you've, you've kind yeah. of, um, you've released. Mm. Um, and you're from Skibbereen yeah, in yeah, West Cork yeah. like West Cork is one of my favourite places in the world it's yeah, like it's absolutely amazing. incredible uh, yeah. like Condé's Lep is one of the best venues in the country but sure. like in general in West Cork it always feels like um, there seems to be even though it's like real small town Ireland it mm. has this real like it really encourages people to be like super creative and to think outside the box yeah like do you think that that really influenced your music at all or um, what do you think it depends on like I think to be honest, it didn't really. It wasn't really super creative for me. Yeah. Right. Um. I felt like, um, I guess at times people don't like to see you do different things. That's really? just, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where I. But if you're doing, if you're excelling at something that's like say popular at the time there, 
then like you're great, you're doing great and stuff. And um, that was especially with you know like the rowing. I used to be a rower back in the oh, no way. back in uh, like you know a few years ago. Yeah. Um, before I like kind of gave it up because it was just bad really. But uh, <laughs> my sister is like really big into rowing and all that kind of stuff. She's yeah, yeah. trying for the Olympics. I mean, it's a huge and thing there. It's right? a huge thing, and like when you're in that kind of circle, um. You know, you get a lot of support and stuff. So when you kind of go off and do music, it might seem a bit, you know, why is he doing this kind of thing? Yeah. Um. So I, I got a bit of that, I think. Um. Yeah. But I think you can definitely take from like the nature around there. It's beautiful. Like mm. it's such a nice place to grow up. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, just so tranquil. Um. But yeah, I don't know how much of it has like trickled into the music. What do you I say really though? Don't. Like, I mean, the idea of people kind of not so much rebelling or challenging you when you're trying to do different things but not necessarily mm. taking to it the way that you would see it yeah uh, I kind of thought of like the town I'm from and how like it was all cover bands and you know yeah. the, like a town that would sell itself as an artsy kind of place I think Ireland yeah. in a lot of ways does that yeah. but for you I mean like is that a perception thing that you built up or was people were, like w- w- was it a thing that you, you directly encountered I mean any kind of opposition to what you wanted to do um like I could say that maybe like teachers might have been a bit uh you know, because I think when I was younger as well, I was probably a bit um, loud, I guess, in school. Like, a, just a bit of a, like, just growing up just being a bit of an asshole, I guess. <laughs> um, but I've definitely, you know, calmed down a bit now. But, uh, you know, interrupting teachers' classes and they kind of, they might go on to a spiel of being like, um, you know, this is, it might, what if it doesn't work out? And looking at stuff, because I was such in a place of, like, I'm going to make kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, just like a... I guess, sorry, I just forgot the question. <laughs> I guess, no, I guess, I mean, like, the idea of trying to, like, strike out and rebel against something yeah. that was... It's, uh, I, it almost sounded like, like your path had been decided for you or something. I think so, yeah. Like, like you can always use it as motivation. Um, like, just to... Because um, you always just think back of, like, say, where you were or something, and, you know, you have to kind of just remind yourself that that's what you want to do, and you're going to stick in that path until, like, you know, the wheels fall off. You're going to yeah. keep going for it. It's, um, it's kind of really interesting as well, though, because then... I mean, like, you're living in Dublin now, right? Yeah. And then you went to college for a while. Yeah. And was that for music, was it? That was for music production, yeah. And then, But then you actually dropped out and just started working completely on music. Yeah. Itself, right? So basically what I did was I went to, um, I won't name the college, I don't want to like, you know, yeah, yeah. bring them down or anything, <laughs> but it was just, uh, um, it was a great environment and like, you know, all the pe- I loved it, everybody there mm. and stuff and it was just really good, but uh, it was kind of old fashion I guess old style it was like big big studio kind of yeah, like, you know yeah, yeah. stuff that you're never really going to be working at. never really going to be working at and especially since I'm working with Diffusion Lab you see that you know things uh, can be done like you know, big things can be done in a small environment yeah. you don't need all the bells and whistles mm-hmm. if you just have like talent and just like determination you'll kind of get to where you want I guess yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so I just kind of at the end of that like term I was just like this isn't really for me I don't think mm. and I was just like why don't I just do it myself yeah like um, I, I think I think a lot there's a lot of artists that think that way as well yeah. where it's kind of like generally when people are want to be something mm. the general route is like oh well I have to go to college to get this thing yeah. but with music it it seems much much different because yeah. really like you can learn everything you want to know mm. out of stuff like YouTube and stuff like that yeah. and then you know like you just need to write loads of fucking yeah. stuff like, yeah. and actually like do it yourself yeah. and stuff. You re- so it's really interesting that you, that you win for that. Like, yeah. You, know? um, you really need to just like, like, you know, get your like shit together, I guess, and just yeah. write as much as possible and just, uh, you know, write loads of bad songs to get to a good song and all that. So I wasn't using my creativity in the college course. I yeah. was kind of just going there, learning a few few things, but I didn't feel like I needed to learn those things. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't 
that's just, just using my creativity, I guess. That's so great. I just wanted to break away from that, and I just you know deferred my year. I said, but <laughs> I haven't been back for two years. So. <laughs> Uh, we mentioned Connolly's Lep there. You've seen yeah. Dahi live in that fairy venue. Yeah. Would you would you say that Dahi's your chief influence on your music? <laughs> like, is that fair? Yeah. Anyway, like I've since since then I've always, <laughs> since since then I've always wanted to play. Like I'd love to go back home and just play Connolly's. That would be like a big thing yeah, for me. Yeah, I, think. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a huge thing, right? Like Connolly's is such yeah. a I don't know. Like it's just such an you're interesting fucking obsessed with that. Well. Place. I love it like so <laughs> much. It's, amazing, it's like yeah. in the middle of nowhere, right? Yeah. And like people have to bus there to get there. Yeah. And it's just like a really really great venue for that type of stuff as well and I, I don't know like it's kind of weird I always feel that like again going back to the West Cork thing mm. is that like there is an openness to actually listen to like different styles of music and mm. people are willing to go with it a yeah. lot um, so and but then what's quite interesting about it as well is that they tend to go for more of the more avant-garde and more different stuff especially yeah. in Connolly's and stuff yeah. but uh, would you consider yourself more of a pop artist right mm, yeah I don't think so to be yeah, yeah. like really. Um like I love writing kind of pop stuff. I love yeah. doing all that, but um you know, I am kind of trying to like uh, I guess not really branch away from that, but you know, use different influences that yeah. may not be pop, maybe bring them into a circle that you can kind of I guess bunch it together and yeah. it all works. It doesn't really it's genreless kind of thing. I yeah, like yeah, I yeah, don't yeah. really like genres like uh, yeah. Um, Do you have yeah. like a, a, one of the really things that I really really liked on say glimpses was that like yeah. You have you have a very and pretty much across that whole EP actually is, is that like it has this um, through line of production where it's like I think you really like 808s yeah. it seems like and yeah. then there's like some really nice C sounds built into the nature yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Do you have a couple of kind of like cornerstone stuff that you use when you want to kind of when you're thinking about the sounds that you're working with? Um, I never really go into things like say thinking that oh, I'm going to make this kind of yeah. thing. it literally just forms like randomly mm-hmm. um, like a line might inspire like how the I don't know the hi-hat's gonna hit or like something like that you know it just it just I just let it like flow naturally I guess so you're starting from the song basically like yeah 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 the song itself yeah building around yeah yeah definitely definitely I'm wondering like how ruthless you are when it comes to just even like whatever rushes it is Hmm. purporting to be because I mean obviously like I mean you kind of came about and I I heard about you through word of mouth and it seems like there was kind of an element of mystery to just who you are what you do I mean has it been difficult like to kind of give away more of yourself as it goes on because obviously like for any artist you're going to have to do that yeah but it does seem like you're trying to retain a sense of kind of control in the right ways I think yeah makes sense um I guess like some things just don't need to be said and you like to keep some you know little things um like to yourself and I'm definitely trying a bit more to you know branch out a bit and just um I don't know I don't like you know like promoting to me is just like it can come off really cheesy and stuff but if it's done in the right way and like um, I'm still keeping my, you know, credibility, I guess, and what I like about myself and, you know, not kind of straying away to another idea, I guess. Was yeah, the, yeah. Is There's the definitely yeah. a through line, with, especially with all the art and especially the music videos, which yeah. I really liked. Um, you're playing in Whelan's on May 25th? Yeah, right? that's going to be. Uh, yeah. Like, with the type of music that you have, it's always it always feels really, really hard to try and translate it into, like, a, a mm. live setting. Like, yeah. How do you go about doing that? Um, just loads of practice, I guess. Um and just definitely being in touch with like the band and you know yeah. being so you all, have like a band yeah band full general. yeah full band Unreal. um and they're all like really great lads and it's definitely just trying to like get my idea across to them as much as possible and just communicating yeah. is really really important Amazing. and then just like 
putting it together and seeing how it goes, I guess, yeah. That's great. Yeah. Even, like, kind of, like, looking at your, your social media, like, I mean, it's not the traditional, it's not the boring social media where it's, like, you know, I'm playing an X venue next week. Like, I mean, that's mm. something that always returns me off when it comes to bands and artists with their social media where it's, like, I want to know more about the person. That, that can mean anything. That can yeah. mean, like, someone fucking live-tweeting a football match. Or, yeah. in your case, I think you kind of tend to lean towards the abstract. Yeah. Um, which, you know, again, I, I agree with you. I mean, like, it's, like, not every artist needs to be on Lyric Genius and kind of like giving their own kind of, yeah. no, this is what it means. Yeah. But I mean, like when you kind of get hit with those moments and you put up stuff on your Twitter, there's almost kind of poetic and has an endless kind of quality to it where like I could look at that and think this means something, but it could mean something completely different to you. Yeah. Just the idea of kind of interpretation and those moments, like wh- mm-hmm. like where does it come from for you when you're just like, I'm going to play out the fan now and I'm going to play out this kind of thing, which is open-ended and might mean nothing to somebody. Yeah, like it, it, a lot of the times I'm just saying what I, it just, just comes out that way, I guess. Hmm. Um, and, you know, it doesn't really matter if people don't get it. It's just like, say, with the lyrics especially, um, there might be, I don't know, somebody might say to me, oh, like, I love the song, but I just didn't get that lyric. And it's like, it's it's not, not I'm not like, it's not my job to like explain. I don't want to explain the lyrics. I want to just like, you know, put it all together and say it how I want to say it and like interpret it however way you want you know yeah, yeah. Um, that's just I guess just that, that's how it is it is uh, that yeah. strange thing though I think for, for musicians because I was reading this week about a very mainstream band who were kind of effectively scoffing at the idea of somebody being insular and being kind of like deliberately opaque I mm. think and for them it was like that was like anathema that was like mm. why would you do that when you could be writing songs for thousands of people yeah yeah and then their defense was but we do feel what we feel so yeah. I guess it's that weird kind of cross-section for any artist, especially mm. someone who's on the rise, like to try and connect yeah. to an audience while also being withholding in a way. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like it, I've definitely battled with that a lot. You know, um, I can, like, I've definitely practiced enough to write songs that are just like, uh, like straight to the point and just you can kind of get the message straight away. But it's also nice just from my own stuff anyway to you know, build a story and let people interpret it how they want, I guess. Yeah. Is that where you're kind of moving with regards to new material? I mean, obviously it's very early days, but like, is it like, is Glimpse the start of kind of a, like a, a series of short stories or are you going to do something totally different? Like what's the... Um, yeah, like I've already have, like say the like base idea for the next project. Um, I don't know how long it's going to be, but I have, you know, a good few tracks in. Um, and so just going to see how that goes. But yeah, I have like an idea of where I want to go. Definitely it's going to reference you know going back to childhood and going back to like my like you know west cork and just mm. try and deliver those messages of like how i grew up and all that because i guess people like to know like you know your story i guess and this definitely with the glimpse the whole glimpse ep was um just giving you a glimpse that's that's literally it just because you don't want to give everything away straight away you want to you know longevity is really important yeah, as well um and i i definitely I don't think when I make Glimpse, I wouldn't have done the songs justice. You know, I wasn't, um, I think I'm still improving as a writer, you know, so it's, those stories are going to be better in like, say, a, a year's time or something, you know, because I'll flesh it out to how I want it. Yeah. Did it take some time for you to kind of even have that realisation that you are, in fact, quote, improving? Because I find that like with writing and with anything like that in the creative, it's very easy to give yourself a really fucking hard time. Yeah, Um and I got told like really good advice recently because um, I was I remember like I said a said a line I was saying that uh you know um like I'm so shit because I can't write this good song um like oh I wrote this song it's so shit so that must mean I'm shit you know kind of that just negative kind of attaching yourself to kind of negative 
um, kind of aspect of that. So I've kind of like switched my lines to be like, oh, that song is bad. Like, not I'm bad because yeah, yeah, I wrote yeah. that song. Yeah, yeah. Um, y- so, you're not like, yeah, yeah. You're not the bad song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right yeah. So, uh, um, yeah, like there's some days where you just feel like you're just, you know, it's not nothing's ever going to work. Um, and then like, uh, like a hit of inspiration can come, and you might write a song and like half an hour 20 minutes and yeah. it might be amazing to you mm-hmm. um, so it just all it's really weird yeah it all just comes <laughs> at different points I guess you're also playing Body and Soul right? That's yeah Body and Soul do you have it in your I assume there's no contract but do you have it on your request list where you're like I'm not on the same time as The Blaze because that, <laughs> I yeah. presume yeah, yeah. we're all like come yeah. on lads yeah I, I hope I hope not but like if they're on the next day that's a, even amaz- more amazing because I can just stay on yeah but uh, yeah I hope I hope I'm not clashing with anybody that's uh you know, really special to me, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the one thing I think, you know, realistically everyone can, can put on their writer or whatever. Like, you know, like, I want to go see those lads, please. Thank Don't you. put me yeah. on during the Blaze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Are you going to go? Are you, are you playing? Or? Uh, not playing, but okay. going specifically for the Blaze. Yeah. yeah. We saw them at Picnic last year and yeah, I was I, like, jaw I, on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> I heard about that. Was it like a kind of a screen kind of behind, behind the, these screens? Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I was kind of standing there being like, I mean, I get it, lads, but like, what the fuck? And then like, it opened, and I was like, oh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that's what all my friends were saying. They were like, yeah, there was just like, they were like, what the hell is going on? And then it opened up, and because yeah, it, it does that thing, like, it gets that tension thing where you're yeah. just like, I mean, I feel like it would have opened by now, <laughs> yeah. but it hasn't. Yeah. And the weird thing about that is that it opened and then stayed open, so it was just like this one trick that did, and it was like <laughs> yeah. such an amazing moment. And I was like, oh, but they're all going to close it back up at some point. It was like, nope, no, nope, we're just going to yeah. stay open. Well, they now. closed it at the end, and they had actually the credits. credits. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I was oh, like, lost your mind over the credits. I turned to so. you and I was like, it's, it's just genius. It's, like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's genius. And like, it's probably one of those things where like, it's probably been. I'm sure it's been done before because everything's been done before. <laughs> yeah. But I'd never seen it before. Yeah. So there you go. Well, we'll see you at Wheelands. We'll see you at Party and Soul. Yeah. Thank you so much yeah, for having me. Thanks, thanks very much. Cheers, thanks for that. That was Rush's. Check out his new EP, Glimpse. It's really, really good. Go see him in Body and Soul. Go He's see lovely. him in Wheelands. Yeah, he's a lovely, lovely, lovely boy from Skibbereen. Um, which I think was his original name. <laughs> the lovely boy from Skibbereen. He's either going to go with Rush's or lovely boy from Skibbereen. <laughs> I think he made the right choice. It's very exciting. Like, I mean, he's very much like a new artist. Yeah. And like... Like oh, he's brand new. You can see him like soak up loads of stuff and kind of going like, look, I have loads to write and I'm like learning really, really quickly and stuff. So I'm really, it's really, really interesting to see somebody at this level and like how much they can go, how far they can go. If you know what I mean? It's exciting. Yeah, we had a very busy songs of the week this week. Had to cut we some did. down. Yeah. Uh, I thought I had my five locked in, and then this lady. It's a good list. It's a good list. This lady released her brand new single. Welcome back, Sky Ferreira. That song is called Downhill Lullaby. Sky Ferreira has become almost mythical in the music industry mm-hmm. in kind of strange ways because she's had a bit of a troubled time in the last few years. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, pop artist who also kind of focuses on the more kind of experimental and the more abstract at times, but also can write exceptional pop bangers like Everything is Embarrassing mm-hmm. and other ones of like that. She released her album Nighttime My Time, I, I want to say six years ago now at this yeah, stage. It's six years. Uh, this, this, is the, this is her first single in six years. That's crazy. Mental. Because like, yeah. there's always been like the idea of like, what is she going to be? Because she kind of flirted with like the rock chick thing for mm-hmm. a while and I say that because that's literally what it was even the yeah. videos were like 
purported to be that kind of way uh, she popped up in Twin Peaks The Return scratching mm-hmm. her arms doing nothing which oh, yeah. was weird because I was like Sky Ferrer in Twin Peaks sure she's going to play in The Roadhouse nope <laughs> uh, she's been in like bad movies and I'm like what the fuck's going on but crucially a part of all this she's had a lot of struggles with like her, her management her labels people uh, who've locked her out of her music supposedly mm-hmm. it's been all very highly publicised I think she's got a bit of an unfair run simply because she's a young woman in the music industry who happens to be you know it's spoken I guess yeah. um, at the heart of it though is a really interesting musician prolific I would say she's absolutely incredible yeah she is prolific but she's all, but, but it feels like if this is her first single in six years like is who's who's at fault like you know uh, she said she said on I think it was Twitter or Instagram that uh, this song that she's releasing is off this album that's coming up um, but she said that this is not like a single if you know what I mean she mm. just kind of describes this as not one of the big pop songs she says she's very confident with the songs that are going to be released oh, it definitely this is, is like an opener <laughs> and I think there's a video coming from the for this pretty soon which which is the reason why she's released this first is because she had an idea for a music video so the music video is going to be like this big main okay. thing for this yeah, it's called Downhill Lullaby it came out on the same week that she was uh, on Pitchfork's digital cover story which I guess is a new thing that they're doing digital cover yeah and ultimately did a very long interview with them very well worth reading She's back, back, back. This to me sounds like something off the most recent Lost Under Heaven album, something mm. like Savages or Dum Dum Girls. Uh, very moody, very dark, like dripping and drowning in angst in all the right ways. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, it's not a pop song. It's not no. going to be played in the radio, but I was captivated. The string element in this is like probably one of the best pieces of music that I've heard all year. Like, the opening of this track is so fucking cool. Like, it feels really, really amazing, and I would say that it's probably a good opener to an album or something like that. Feels really, really exciting. I don't know if the rest of the track really lived up to how amazing I thought that string thing was. It's just so kind of unique and interesting and different. Um, but the song is really good. Yeah, yeah, the string element was kind of almost like Nick Cave or an LSE. Yeah, very, yeah. It has these like beautiful sliding turns to it and stuff, and oh, it's gorgeous. Yeah, it's just great to have her back. Mm. And I'm very excited now about the album because... It's strange because, I mean, like, when I saw that cover story pop up, I was like, oh, that's a good sign. But then I was like, well, to be fair, like, this isn't, you know, like, she pops up every now and then and then nothing happens. Yeah, yeah. But it seems like it's finally fucking happening. Yeah, it's going to start rolling. Like. So, yeah, let's do it. Uh, as for songs of the week, there's four left. Give me a number between one and five that isn't number three. <laughs> uh, I'll go for number two. It's Logic. And his confessions of a dangerous mind. Now, Logic, who is he, Dolly? Uh, Logic is a, a rapper from America. <laughs> there we go. That's all I need to know. Uh, he is... He's a really interesting artist because, like, as a technical rapper, he's absolutely incredible, I think. He had a song last year, which was uh, the Suicide Hotline number, the number which yeah. I cannot friggin' remember. Oh, it's like 1-800-something, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's 1-800-something. But which that, that one had an incredible was, connection to the audience. Yes, a massive, massive breakout hit. Um, uh, deals very well with mental health, I think. Um, he's a really interesting artist because, uh, and this song is, like, a very, very interesting kind of... Um, uh, 
description of what his life is like right now, I guess, right? Oh, yeah, there's elements to this where he basically talks about, like, some of the direct abuse he gets on social media all yeah. the time. And, he, like, I thought you highlighted it in a very interesting way because he weaponized it. Yeah, exactly. He, he kind of has this one moment in the song where he starts, like, basically singing as if he's, like, looking through his twitter feed. probably was like, probably yeah, was yeah. and like you know one of them was like oh you're like you're balding and like you look ugly or something yeah you're too old and stuff like that yeah. and then there's like a whole thing where like he won't never be kendrick never be drake never be j cole um it's it's quite interesting though because like he he kind of throughout the course of the song like i really like the song i think it's really good like yeah. it, throughout the course of the song he kind of explains what everything that's so difficult and then he feels like by the end of it he is coming to the cusp of being like with what most artists get to is this idea that like maybe the quest for this success that everybody talks about maybe isn't actually the thing that they should be looking for it should be like the what you get out of the music and stuff like that and he seems to be an artist who's right on the cusp of that and like this song feels like he's literally just diving into that right now yeah he seems to be conscientious and seems to be trying to like establish a different kind of dialogue with him and his audience that goes beyond the standard stuff Mm -hmm. at the same time though I think the next day I saw that he like teamed up with Mac DeMarco for a song and I was like man yeah, it's like, a weird one. I was like, you had me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. What are you like, doing? So I don't know. But he's like, as terms in, in terms of like actually just being a really great rapper, he fucking has it. Like He's, he's got so, serious ability. So yeah, like yeah. those bars are amazing. Yeah, I mean like it's genuinely like, it's like this is a really shit example to use because everyone uses it but at the same time, the one thing about Eminem is that like his ability is mm-hmm. insane. Like it is ridiculous. Yeah, undisputed. Like, yeah, but yeah, I yeah. find that like with Eminem, he's done nothing of interest with it in like pff, 15 years. I don't yeah. fucking know. A long yeah, time. Yeah. And with Logic, I'm like, oh, maybe I should be looking more at this guy. Like, he's got enough, uh, like, on a purely aesthetic era level. I'm like, you know what? There's something here. There's definitely yeah. something here. Uh, I'll have number one, please, Dahi. Uh, number one, they're back. It's Tame Impala with Patience. If you're wondering what Kevin Parker was up to, he was listening to M83's Junk <laughs> album because he's just completely just lifted. lifted the synth line. I was like, oh I didn't my even God. think of that. Oh my what? God. You're so right. Yeah, That's yeah. What it is. <laughs> It's exactly the same. Uh, thankfully, he then goes on a different path. Yeah. But those opening seconds, I was like, Anthony The piano Gonzalez. thing. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Get your lawyer on the phone, Anthony. It's so interesting because, I don't know, I I think it's a good sign for the album because it's like it's not going to be like another... like. Are you sure? It's doing the Tame Impala thing. Well, yeah, but like his production is like second to none and his voice, like you can't get away from... You need those two elements, right? Like the, the sound of that like phasing weird production that everything is kind of coming through really weaselly. And then, like, his voice is, like, he has a very, very specific way of, like, recording his voice and changing it up over time and everything. And that's all there. But, like, that piano line is, like, there's nothing like that in his last record. Or the record before. Yeah, just the M83 record. Just the M83. (laughs) Just the M83 record. Like, if that's the whole record, I'd be like, "Mm, I don't know. Yeah, to me, this came across, like, as a splice between Tame Impala, Mm -hmm. M83, and The War on Drugs. Ooh, very good. Just that kind of wishy-washy, like, long, kind of languid thing. Yeah, yeah. And also, I found as well that, like, He's really good at like writing songs that don't need need to really be about anything. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, totally. Like, yeah, yeah. Just yeah, like yeah. literal sentencecapes. Again, another shit word. But like, I mean, ultimately, this came out on the Friday. 
And I just kept playing it on repeat, mainly because mm-hmm. I kind of felt like, oh, hang on, it ended there, and I didn't realize at what point I was in. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's very feel good though. Like it's, yeah, like, it feels like you know, like for right now with good weather and all that kind of yeah. crap. But I mean, like it's good to have them back. Uh, it didn't like reinvent the wheel. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I think I think they're very much an album act though. Like I really want to hear like an entire album. I'm really interested to see he's done. He's in the last couple of years. He's been doing a lot of work with like songwriting with other kind of very much like pop artists and stuff. And I'm really interested to see how that like doing songwriting and production for other people is going to influence like this record like I think it'll be really interesting alright uh, two numbers left uh, what two numbers are them four and five. Oh my god uh, we'll go for five it's Flume and he's gonna tell us how to build a relationship <laughs> I'm not you it's no friends no field it's kids too fresh smile go to <laughs> Catch me in a cold mood. I can never show you niggas all the shit I'm doing. Stick to your face like hacksaw Jim Dugan. First nigga put you on the ropes. Had you looking like a ghost cause you in my heart. But you not moving, nigga. Look, fuck is you. Alright, so yes, Flume dropped a mixtape. And it struck out to you for one reason in particular. A couple of different reasons. Well, one big reason. Uh, Sophie's on it? Is no. that what we're The opening track? Oh, the opening track, yeah. Tell the listeners. Oh, so um, <laughs> yeah, the listeners have probably heard about this before, but uh, the way myself and Dave met were we were uh, in a hot press tent in Electro Picnic a couple mm, of years ago. Many years ago. Uh, I'd never met Dave before. He was interviewing me, um, and uh, uh, he, he tried a question at the end, which was <laughs> to try and catch me off guard, I think. Uh, which was basically he was at the time I was uh, a Sony artist and I had to do this thing where it was like uh, hey this is uh, Dahi uh, you're listening to my new single uh, and they put that up on Spotify as an advert for people who didn't pay for Spotify and then uh, so Dave asked me about that and was like oh so like how does it feel you know that you kind of get in between people's music or like you know it's weird for you to hear that yeah it's weird for you to hear that and stuff and without thinking I wasn't trying to be smart or anything I was like oh well I don't really hear it because I, I pay for my Spotify and like (laughs) <laughs> the audience were there were like oh, oh shit oh yeah. uh, and I but... was put in my place because uh, last time I didn't pay for my Spotify I now do ever since then and then yeah to be fair you're leaving out the part of the story where like you then uh, spent the whole weekend telling people because it was class that you like bodied this journalist <laughs> It was pretty good, like. Yeah, pretty good. who knew? Look at us now. And look at us now. The reason is that track one in this is effectively that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like him doing that over a repeated time. Um, Which I loved. The the track that we hey, just played there. Hey, this is This is But yeah, so that, this track is How to Build a Relationship, which is the one that we're featuring on Songs of the Week, but it's part of, I guess you would call it an EP, right? Uh, it's been sold as a mixtape. Mixtape, right, yeah. It's 18, like 18 track or 38 minutes long or something like that. Uh it's, it's odds and ends. Yeah, I really like it. It's pretty good stuff. It? I, yeah. I think it's absolutely amazing. So, like, Sophie is one of the main features on it. Uh, there's also a remix of uh, Is It Cold in the Water? That's right, from, yeah, yeah. Uh, from her album. Um, and there's, uh, there is elements of, like, John Hopkins in here. Yeah. I think Flume, in general, is one of these, like, really, really amazing product producers who are able to just soak influences up like a sponge and then like apply them to their own thing and he like there's a good few producers who are very very much like that and he's one of the best I think like this is really worth a listen from start to finish it's like very seamlessly put together I think you need to listen to this as a full piece rather than a singular track yeah that's fair um, this I is a good track though uh, this is a really good track yeah although um, 
Is this uh, JPEG Mafia? Is that the rapper? Who was I that? think so. And what a name. Well, uh, he's in my bad books, man, because oh, really? uh, he uses Hacksaw Jim Duggan's name, the wrestler, but he says Hacksaw Jim Duggan <laughs> to rhyme. And I'm like, you're not allowed to do that, pal. <laughs> you're, you're displaying a disrespect to... So he crossed the line, did he? he 80s the World Wrestling Federation. <laughs> yeah, he did, yeah. yeah. So he's out. But no, it's a good tune. Um, yeah, and there's like, Epram is also in it and Slow Thai, uh, and there's these like, really, really amazing um, visuals from this guy called Jonathan Zawada, who... Um, uh, it's worth just like putting on to like YouTube on, on a big TV or something and like listen to it while other stuff is happening. It's very much like a jump forward for Flume. I think he's really, really getting away from the pop music stuff and like just going for something really, really weird and different. Um, I think this is great. I think it's really, really good. Track five this week to close us out is Marina. No longer with the diamonds. Yeah. Just Marina. This is Orange Trees. Sitting by the orange trees. Now, first of all, how do you feel about the name change? Uh, this is happening a lot. Yeah. It's also happening a lot in wrestling. People do you know just, who the diamonds were supposed to represent? Her band? No. Uh, her ex-boyfriend? No. The future? No. <laughs> Possible children? No. And my final guess, um, The Simpsons? No. Close? No. Uh, the fans, apparently. The diamonds oh, were supposed to be yeah. the fans. I should have got that. <laughs> uh, Jesse J and her heartbeats. Yeah, it's interesting. And off that, off that point, like, is she removing her fans from the music? It's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, I'm on my own now, guys. Um, what do you think of the record? Uh, well, I mean, I, I really wanted to bring this up because, I mean, you put out a song called Orange. I know. Recently. Jesus, I didn't even fucking think of that. There you go. And this I was is like, also called Orange. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, it's Orange Trees. We but Orange it. is like the big refrain in the, in the track, like that sure. word. Sure. I had a track called Love's On Top, and there's like Love On Top by Beyonce, so I'm kind of You're equally an as guilty at this. You're an influencer. No, 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 no. You've no, no, no. been influenced. I've been influenced. Um, <laughs> I think it's fine. I've never really talked to her. Really, yeah? I've never got it. Like, people love her. And yeah, never she has really... such good grace in, like, the pop world. Yeah, she's friends with, like, Charlie XCX and Lando, right? Yeah, and but even from the fans and stuff, she yeah, has, no, like... People, people really she's lauded it. as one of the greats, like... I don't hear it. I never really did. I always feel like it's just kind of in the middle. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I think is. she's had a really, really good moments. As mm-hmm. a pop star, I think she's, like, she works really, really well. Um, She is Welsh and Greek, and this song is about um the island that her family were from. Um, it is we usually talk about tracks that come out either too late to be summer smashes or anything like that this is perfect what perfect timing for like it really feels like this kind of summer yeah summer like it's fine servicely but like I really didn't I mean uh, in a week when I, th- I think we had better versions of this th- even this week yeah yeah I mean I agree um, uh, it'd be interesting to see what she comes out with uh, yeah yeah it's fine like the video is weird did you see the video no it just looks like Mamma Mia Oh, it's uh, it's pretty weird. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, what better way to listen to our album of the week this week? These new Puritans, uh, an act that are very hard to categorize, and that's just how they like it. They're back mm-hmm. with their first album in, I believe, it's fucking six years. Is it? Yeah, it might be even more. I think it's yeah, at least I'll double check that while we have a listen to a cut from Inside the Rose. This is A or P. This is some kind of truth. Kind 
Yes, I was correct. It was six years ago. Mm. Field of Reeds was the album, and I reviewed it for Hot Press at the time, I believe, and I found an album incredibly hard to connect to. Uh, I guess a bit of a primer on this act. They are extremely artful. Mm -hmm. Um, It has been a group effort before, but it's primarily a pair of brothers, uh, Jack and George Barnett. They're from Southend, would you believe? Southend. Yeah, yeah, there you go. But they've been described as everything from post-punk to art rock to Mm neoclassical to kind of even jazz influenced. And I mean, like they burst onto the scene, I guess, in a a strange way because they kind of emerged around 2008. Uh, the first time I ever heard them was a track called Elvis, and it's short, it's kind of punchy, and it fitted in in that weird kind of hangover of the new rave era, yeah. where it had the seeds of that, but it also had the seeds of something more opaque as well. Uh, I, I feel like on this episode we've used the word opaque, avant-garde, <laughs> challenging, who knew it would be that kind of an episode, but like, it was clear that they were never going to be like top in the charts, no. um, but then they really went in that other direction, and then they've had a few albums since, and Feel the Reads in particular like was beloved by a lot of people they are yeah. critical darlings this yeah. act they're like people think they're fucking amazing and it does kind of make you wonder like how they've managed to kind of keep it going for so long because it's weird they're like, not yeah. like I can't see how they're making money uh, like did you so you, you thought the, that album was only okay I, I was I was a fan of um, Hidden which is the album it's before the second that one album, like 2010 yeah. or something like that mm-hmm. and that was that was really really good I thought it was like I don't know, they were taking elements that was really popular at the time and then adding, like, a whole pile of extra stuff. And I could see why people were kind of going, this is huge, like, this is a big deal. These are, like, albums of the year contenders and stuff like that. Okay. How do you feel about them? About them generally? Yeah. I mean, I've never really known how to feel about them yeah. because they they seem so far away. Yeah. Uh, they've always just been there. Like, uh-huh. It's like, oh, these new Puritans. I mean, like, at first I was excited by them. and they And they also, they do have, like you know, more kind of direct stuff in their locker. Uh, even a track like We Want War, which yeah, yeah. is, you know, big and kind of brash and strange. But, like, they really lost me on that Field of Reads record. Uh, this one, Inside the Rose, uh, I really like it. I find but like, I find with them, like, they're, they're just so, like, it's so art gallery. It's, it's all very art installation-y, and it's all very, like, kind of, you know... I, I, with this album, I was... First of all, I was pleasantly relieved that it wasn't a repeat of the last one because mm-hmm. while obviously the last one, you know, one man's trash is another man's treasure, like yeah. you know, and it's certainly not trash or anything, but I just found myself unable to to get inside it. Uh, with this one, I was like, okay, this is a lot more open uh, for them. You know, it's a lot more kind of like direct and from the off, and I can see what they're doing and I can kind of feel it. Like I'm a part of it. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, the more I listened to it, the more I kind of found myself going, I admire this, but I don't love it. Mm. I like it I respect it I think it's very good I think it could be their best album personally yeah. but also I'm still I'm still far away from it yeah I, yeah. I, I can't step inside the box like if you've listened to these new periods before the through lines on this record compared to the rest of the stuff is basically there is these large orchestral kind of sections which they're kind of fairly known for and it's primarily an electronic album I would say with live drums which is the big kind of thing they have like usually they have really really powerful live drums and they are here and it's very very kind of crunchy and stuff Um, it's a very kind of again we're getting into this like post-apocalyptic thing again but I think this one does it well Exactly, that's what I was going to say. I, I think it actually managed to show up a lot of recent releases that didn't. Yes, yeah, Foles yeah, yeah. One, for example, like this was one where I was like, not only do I believe this a bit more, but like it's just written better. Yeah, and like I mean, this kind of like the the actual music of it, like the actual like if you were just to have the instrumentals or whatever, it wouldn't be out of place in like a Blade Runner or something like that. No, nope, you know yeah, what I mean? not at all. No. Um, and they they have like some really really nice sections where it's like that. 
I think the deal breaker for this record for me, and I think probably for a lot of people, especially if you were just getting into them now, is the voice. I, I was going to say, yeah. The, I think it's a major, major issue. So, so he's, he's, you think it's ch- too haunting? Or? Uh, so before this, to so say Unhidden, he had this like very kind of like, almost like a shouty refrain vocal. So like people would be able to shout back a lyric live or whatever like that. It was kind of like that feeling. This one's much more, he's melodically singing, but they've gone for this like really, really um, bare bones kind of production of it to the point that a lot of the vocals are literally out of tune here. Like mm-hmm. there's, they're literally out of tune in sections and he'll like fade in to go out of tune and go back up again. Um, it's not for me, basically. Like, that type of stuff, I think when you're working on an electronic album and you have these, like, amazing, amazing synthscapes and stuff, vocals that are going out of tune, like, it's obviously a style choice, but it's just really, really not for me. I thought it worked on some tracks better than others. I think a track like Where the Trees Are on Fire, like, is going to be one of those ones where you're either going to walk down in that procession with them, carrying yeah. big fucking torches, <laughs> or you're going to be like, this is bad Morrissey. Yeah, um, I was on the former. I actually was like, no, this totally works as like a torch song. This totally works as like a funereal thing, um, and I think it works because of that like very you know unglossy vocal. Yeah. But again, I'm not going to be throwing it on a lot. Yeah, and like <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just a lot of the time I'll kind of look at it and go, okay, would I be able to recommend this to somebody? And I, I don't know who I would recommend this to. I think honestly I think the vocal is a real deal breaker for people you're either going to love that vocal or you're not um, and that's that's the major major kind of issue here um, the other thing that I would say is like um, previous albums have, have kind of been really well known for having this like a huge amount of variety where like stuff will feel very different there'll be entire new uh, instruments in each one or it'll feel very different other albums like Hidden I keep going back to Hidden because I really really like it but the the drums are way more energetic it feels more this is a bit more floaty a bit more um uh, I don't know slow down I guess but also like the the sounds are a through line for the whole thing like they're using very similar string stuff very similar piano stuff for the entire album um, and for that reason it gets a little bit repetitive for me as well yeah I mean it's a mood piece for sure yeah it, it is a mood piece yeah. like, it feels like kind of like a novella or something yeah uh, it's short enough it's like 40 minutes like I mean it's not gonna like overstay it's welcome too much I think they accomplished what they, what they set out to do but I do find myself once again wondering just who this band are for hmm. Um and it speaks to like it's great that to be fair, I mean like love it or hate, like, I mean, like or even just find it middling. It is great that like a band like these New Puritans are on their fourth record in twenty nineteen. When Completely. I'm like, again, I'm like, where is the money coming <laughs> from? Yeah. Like, yeah. what kind of gigs are you guys playing? Like, yeah. uh, how big is your audience really? And like, you see bands who are more commercial focused break up a lot, you know. So yeah. it does kind of make you wonder, like, how is this? How are you managing to exist at all? Because they're not trying to attract you if anything as you mentioned the kind of apocalyptic nature of this is potentially very off-putting yeah and you throw all these elements together it's it's kind of like for people who want to be uh, challenged and want to be kind of like given an unsettling experience which as you say is very hard to recommend yeah yeah, it's funny because like until you said that there i was like who because i because i was i was initially like no i would recommend it and then i was like yeah but to who (laughs) like who would i really like Consciously sit down and go like you got to hear that these new parents record. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like it's kind of weird because like even, I mean, I think you could probably. I, th- I think maybe the stuff that I find annoying is annoying because I'm listening to it for an entire album. 
I think you could recommend one song to them out of this record. I would say like ARP, I really really like. That's a great um, track. As is like Into the Fire, which is the previous single. Yeah. Which, like that one, I found like did age well and does actually have that kind of touch of familiarity to it. Like the more I was like, oh yeah, and again, it's like that feels like a series of doors opening and closing in like some kind of like futuristic maze. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, very yeah. Blade Runner, very kind of like you know weird horror movie. Um, I'd love to hear these guys work on a soundtrack, like or something. Absolutely, you know? yeah. I think like, they'd be really, really be good. Be commissioned at that. for one. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, like as you were saying there before about like this kind of it's people who want to sit in that apocalyptic kind of thing. It definitely does have that. Um, ARP has a really, really good lyric in it, which is like, "Let this music be a paradise, a kind of nightmare, a kind of I don't care," and that kind of nails the entire record. What they're trying to do, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, um, I guess I did find myself being like. Given the glut we're having now of the world is burning albums and stuff, yeah, it's this is definitely yeah, it's definitely one of the better ones. But yeah. again, is that I recommend? <laughs> you know, I don't think so. Uh, I'm going seven because I do admire it a lot, but yeah. I'm, but I'm not going to go back to it too often. Um, yeah, like again, the vocal just really, really kind of took you out. Uh, yeah, it annoyed me, and then, like once once it annoyed me, then it's just like it's everywhere, <laughs> and it's the same. Like they do, they go out of tune the whole time, and it's like a very. But that's definitely like a, a choice for me. I can't recommend it to anybody. I'd I'd put it down on like a four. Oof. Okay. Yeah. Wow. It's rare though. You know, you're on that side, and I'm on this side. You know? I know. Yeah. Yeah. Week that's in it. Really didn't like it. This episode of Encore was engineered by Sonic Architect Eve Murray in the other listening corner. Um, we didn't review the Billie Eilish album this week because I only got it late in the day on Wednesday. Yeah, I think it's an important one. We need to sit down with a few. I think off. so. Yeah, and it's one of the things where like a combination of getting it like late afternoon Wednesday and knowing that we don't have twenty four hours max to really do it. Yeah. I, as noted, like working on something else at the moment, don't really have the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've given it a couple of spins, and even like for, I've written down here like first impressions. I, I don't have them yet. Like, okay. And it's an album that we've talked about for a while. Yeah, so. I mean, we're, it, it go, kind of goes without saying that we're all massive fans and stuff yeah, as well. So. And you want to kind of like, you know, I just feel like, you know, like it, I was having this conversation with other people where it's like there are times when you've no time to, to get something in that you got to be current, and that's fine. And yeah. if that works for you, fantastic. But I was just like, I really don't want to. I don't want to come in and be like a week later being like no actually I completely feel different and I know mm-hmm. I would like I want I, I didn't even get like your standard five listens in so mm-hmm. next week we will review the Billy Eilish album yeah. what have you been listening to what have I been listening to um, audiobooks while painting audiobooks while painting more <laughs> Limmy just like I listened to all three Limmy books while I was while I was uh, painting does he narrate them Huh? Does he narrate them? Is yeah, oh yeah, he narrates them, yeah. Jesus, you wouldn't be listening to them if you didn't. That's what like. I was wondering. Like, <laughs> like some he narrates them and does it really, really well as well. It's really, really good. Um, and then apart from that, I mean, again, we were talking about that flume thing. I've listened to a lot of flume. Um, I'm living beside the Phoenix Park now, so I go running every morning. I've been listening to flume the whole every, way through. Uh, Tinley Vale Fucking boast great. there, mate. <laughs> Yeah. I go running Shit. every morning. Shit. <laughs> You're so right, damn it. Um, yeah, so that flume again. I cannot recommend that enough. I think people should really, really be listening to that. It's a, a very, very. Important Have you record. gone back into Red Dead Redemption Two yet? By the way, no. I my okay. TV was set up and I started Sekiro. Uh, oh right, the it's new good. game from um, uh, the guys who made Dark Souls. Uh, it is so hard. It's so <laughs> friggin' difficult, and even for them, like it's just so hard. <laughs> Give me an example. Um, like so basically, you're playing, you're it's, like a it's about it's, samurai a, it's another. It's like another much much faster than say Bloodborne, right? So it's like 
way faster. <laughs> and then, uh, obviously, they don't tell you anything, so you can be banging your head against somebody for ages. And then the problem is, is that it's like it's got a way more verticality in the game, so you can actually jump. There's a jump button now, and you can climb up on walls and stuff. So what you're supposed to do is when you come up to a really, really difficult um, enemy, usually like with Bloodborne or with um, Dark Souls, you have to just bang your head against this person until it happens. What you're supposed to do in this game is climb up over it, sneak past them, find like an item of some description that'll beat them and then come back to them again. So like there's all this like extra like exploring of the world that you couldn't do before and like it takes ages to get used to that. And then there's like a very like unforgiving like parry system. Um, It's an absolute heartbreaker of a game. (laughs) Okay, interesting. Um, I am playing Red Dead Redemption again and like... Uh, I got to the bit in the game, this isn't a spoiler, but like, there's obviously a big section where the D'Angelo yeah. track plays. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And it was like the Jose Gonzalez one from the first game. Mm-hmm. And it was very good. Like, it wasn't quite as epic as like maybe that moment was, but it was kind of cool because it was just kind of like, oh, yeah. And then it was like, that song is brilliant. Like, it's so good. It's great. And like, it really frames that song much, much better now. Yeah, totally. Um, Unshaken by D'Angelo. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I haven't gotten to the end of Red Dead Redemption 2. I, th- I know a lot of people obviously did months and months and months ago. Uh, I need to finish it. Our, our, our barber, Edo, shouts, oh, yeah. shouts to Edo. I was talking to him about it, and he was kind of like, whereabouts are you? And I was like, I'm not at this point yet, but this thing has happened. And he like literally just like looked pained. And he said to me, he goes, give me a text when you get it finished, yeah? And like patted me on the shoulder. And I was like, oh, fuck. Friend, okay. friend of the show, Brendan Canty, who's a mean man with the Photoshop. He's like unreal at Photoshop. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he also, Ada was also his uh, barber <laughs> and uh, sent him a photo of the barber in Red Dead Redemption with Ada's face like placed on the barber. It was and, terrifyingly like, well done. He, it was amazing. It's yeah, really, really it's good. Great. Okay, that does it for this week. We'll be back next week with Craig Fitzpatrick and perhaps another guest. Exit music this week. Are you familiar, Dohi, with a Dublin band, indie band, by the name of Bouts? I completely am. Very yep. good band. I know them well. Um, I may have inadvertently insulted them before when I worked with their drummer, a lovely man by the name of Daniel Flynn. Wouldn't be the first time, it wouldn't be the first time I've done that, <laughs> but it's become, it's become legend <laughs> in the Dublin music scene. Uh, of course, uh, they are back. They released their album recently after a long hiatus, and we're glad to have them back. But we're especially glad to have Mr. Amsterdam. Mr. Amsterdam. Kabina. Yeah. Remixing one of their tracks. Absolutely excellent producer. Who is Kabina for anyone who doesn't know? Uh, Kabina is a producer who was in Dublin for a good while. He is now in um, Amsterdam. He uh, is out on his own in terms of how he produces. Uh, his style is like absolutely incredible. Um, I've been looking lucky enough to hear uh, an upcoming um, major project of his, which is absolutely excellent like I cannot get over how good the tracks are it's got to be really really special um, he is over in Amsterdam at the moment so it's very very interesting that we're kind of we're only living through him on Twitter really is totally, like the yeah, thing yeah. but uh, he is absolutely incredible um, I'm hoping to go over to visit him fairly soon and we'll try and do a feature on him at yeah take point. a microphone with you um, I absolutely will Uh and this track is really, really good. Yeah, he's done a remix of the best track, Love's Lost Landings Part 2. It's a combination I didn't necessarily see coming, but it has yielded very good fruit. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And on that note, my name is Dave Hanratty. This has been The Encore. You know the rest. See you soon.
This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I am a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water it starts to just taste bland and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just, I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code GLOW. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs>